The following episode contains major plot points that may spoil movies for some viewers. A spoiler warning is now in effect. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host Colin Bourne. And I'm Leah. How's it going everybody? And today this is a special podcast because it is my birthday episode. So yeah, this is a yeah, this is a birthday episode. Yeah, we're taking a break from the Saw franchise review thank to God. do your birthday episode. Why mm-hmm. are you saying thank God? Because it's a lot. <laughs> it's a, it, it's, it is a lot, but you haven't even watched all of them. I know, but it's okay. But we're taking a little breather so mm-hmm. we can focus on something a little bit more lighthearted, but it's still pretty much part of the horror genre, especially for the cult status that it has. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so how are you feeling? I feel better now that I've showered. Yeah. It's been a long fucking week. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just, it's been taking a toll on me and I'm not going to go into it, but let's just say that working sucks. It does. And I know. Yes. And <laughs> I almost pulled the Blink-182 work sucks. I know. <laughs> I'm just glad the week's over. We're looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. And then Tuesday, we're both off for your birthday. Yep. And we get to hang out with some of our friends for my birthday this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. And also, tell them what you've been doing every day since Sunday evening. Oh, yeah, about your birthday. So, Colin likes to do this thing sometimes where no matter what day of the week his birthday falls on, he likes to stretch it out. Especially if his birthday, like, falls on a weekday, he likes to celebrate it, like, the Friday before his birthday and then carry it on all the way into the day of. So, he likes to stretch this shit out. Stretch it out like a Stretch Armstrong, practically. It drives me nuts when he does this, but I figured this time I would do something a little special, carrying on with the theme and tradition of what he likes to do. Because his birthday falls on a Tuesday this year. So every day for 10 days leading up to his birthday, I give him one gift, and I've been doing one of those like number pulls where you put yeah, like... Like a raffle? Not like a raffle, but like I put, a, I put numbers 1 through 10 on each piece of paper, put it in a bowl, whatever number he pulls out is the gift that he gets. Mm-hmm. Tell him what you've gotten so far. I've gotten the the mini extreme game system, which is basically like it's an adapter that you put into the TV with two uh, Nintendo controllers and you got like a choice of like 700 like Nintendo classic video games. And I think that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it doesn't work that well. It's I know. It's kind of a waste of money. I know, but I'm going to try to work at it again and see what I can do. Just and don't make sure the thing doesn't melt because apparently... It gets super is, hot quick. And this is something I encourage everybody to do if you shop on Amazon. Always check the ratings and reviews of certain products because... If I had known then what I had known now is that this product had some pretty crap ratings because apparently if you play it for too long, the HDMI adapter melts. I should have got the one that Matt has because he didn't get it from uh, Amazon. Where did he get it from? I don't know. He just got it from some random like site when he was on on Facebook. Oh, that's not reassuring at all. Yeah, but I don't think anywhere from anywhere that doesn't seem that like really sketchy on the computer doesn't seem yeah like you said. That was one gift. And then what, what were the other gifts? I know I got a Gremlins uh, action figure. Yep. I got the Crow T-shirt, mm-hmm. which that was really cool. Thank you. That was that was awesome. Yep. I got... What did you get today? 
I got today the Hellfire Club T-shirt. Yep. I still have to. I still have to post that on my Facebook and take a picture of it. Yeah, you've been posting them every day for the past kinda, what, six days now. Yeah, kind of like a on the like twelve days of Christmas s type of like writing I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Like on the fourth day of Leah's uh, birthday gifts, my true love gave to me. Kind of like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I got a a vape pen. A vape pen. Um, I got a vape pen with Oreo flavor. No, it wasn't. Yeah, the Oreo? No. For the... It's not Oreo flavor. I thought the one I got was Oreo. No, it's something else. What the hell did you get me? No, this is the thing. And we're going to be real here. Oh. I went to a smoke shop with uh, Colin, right? Here because we go. I needed him to pick out what kind of battery he wanted and to tell me what kind of cartridge what he hell? wanted. What the hell type of flavor did you get me? Well, here's the thing. What? You, you keep saying o- Oreo because... <sighs> If you go to any smoke shop that sells THC products, they'll tell you that they're all color-coordinated. You forgot what flavor you got me, did you? No. I don't know what flavor I got you, but I know I got you an Indica, which is what you wanted, but you kept looking... See, here's the thing. The guy asked Colin, what are you looking for? And he's like, I want something that will mellow me out, not something that will, like, bring me up and wire me. He's like, okay, so no sativas. He's like, we can either Uh, do a hybrid. I didn't get a sativa. Okay. We can either do a hybrid, which is a mixture of sativas and indicas, mm. or we can just do a straight indica, which will really mellow you out. And you said, that sounds good. I'll go with the indica. So the guy pulls out a box with all these different THC cartridges. Mm. They're oils. They're like straight THC oils. So he t- tells you specifically, whatever is written in green <laughs> is the indica. You look at the box, and you're, like, focused on the name of each flavor, right? You're like, oh, that Oreo cream pie looks good. And we're like, that's a hybrid. It's written in blue. So pinks are sativas, blues are hybrids, and greens are indicas. You kept focusing on Oreo cream pie, peach cobbler, (laughs) I think strawberry cheesecake was another one. All of those were hybrids. (laughs) I'm like, no, just pick whatever's in green. I feel like the one I got for Indica, you know what it made me feel like? Hmm. Made me feel like Spicoli from Fast Times at Richmond High, because he was pretty mellow out. I think you got like... I got the I got the Spicoli flavor. I think you got like Cub Scouts or something, some shit like that. I don't know. I'm just going to call it Spicoli for now, so that's fine. But whatever, whatever you were looking at was annoying the shit out of me. I'm like, just pick whatever's in green. But I tried it out last night, and that shit really did mellow me out. Like, I felt good, and I actually kind of felt it going into today, which, okay. which it was weird. Yeah. Because that thing, I think I took a lot of hits... That took me to the point where I could feel it to the next day. Yeah, that's how THC works. Because it's Fuck. because it's straight THC, you're getting high a lot more from one hit than I, you would with a bowl. Well, what else did I get? Fuck. What? Oh, I got my Ash Funko Pop. From the Evil Dead. Yep, which it was the 40th anniversary. It was last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so happy with that. That is so cool. Like, I do like some of my Funko Pops. I'm not a big Funko Pop guy, but that was cool. So, to recap, you got an Ash Funko Pop, mm-hmm. you got a vape pen. Vape pen. You got the controller adapter thingy yep. that doesn't work. <laughs> you also got the crow shirt, the gremlin action figure. Yeah, and that's it. Okay, so that's five. Yeah, and then I got five more gifts after this. No, I thought, I thought we were doing, I thought we did six. So, what was the sixth gift? You know, I have these <laughs> things written down in another journal, but I'm not going to go get it because I'm afraid you're yeah. going to glance at it. Well, can I glance at it? No. Uh, fine. 
You're no fun. Anyway. Didn't I give you another shirt? Oh, the Hellfire Club t-shirt. Yeah, the Hellfire Club t-shirt from that Stranger six, Things. Yes. That was cool. I like that. I might wear that this weekend, depending. Because I know Carolyn got me a He-Man t-shirt. Yeah. So I'm excited about that, too. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it was the same shirt I almost bought from FYE a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And that was only 10 bucks. so. But yeah. I can't wait to see what my other gifts are going to be in the oncoming days. I know. You've got four more days. And then today I just called in your birthday cake order from Cheesy Eddie's. I know. I feel alive right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, but I am excited for everything, and literally, thank you, honey, you are the best. You're the best wife, you're the best giver, best lover. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, but literally, I don't deserve you. And I will say this to all of our people who listen to on this podcast. This woman, she's a wonderful person, and I don't deserve her. But somehow, I have her as my wife. And she, yeah, and- she is my baby. And as a little added bonus to your birthday celebration, we're doing this episode. And because this is your birthday episode of a movie of your selecting... I get to sit in the big chair. It's not a big chair. It's just, when I got this desk and I was working from home, I'm like, I need a good computer chair. So we went to Home Goods and we found the closest thing to a computer chair I can find for 20 bucks. Yeah. It's not the most comfortable, though. I am going to let you know. Don't worry. We'll, I'll, we'll get a better chair. I want to get one of those gaming chairs. Those? <laughs> yeah, I love those gaming chairs. Those have like lumbar support. My old bandmates yeah. have uh, their their computer chairs because Jimmy does his Twitch channel and he's got a really nice one. You know, I could probably stand to work. You should do a Twitch hours. channel. I thought about doing a Twitch channel, but I like, wouldn't know what to do. Like you could do video games. Nah. No. 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 Not a video game girl. I wouldn't even know how to set that up for myself. Yeah, that's true. Well, you do have a video game computer. I have a gaming com. Yeah, because when I again when I started working this job full time remotely, <clears throat> I needed my own laptop, and I couldn't keep working off of yours. So yeah. I went to Rena Center, and I was like, "What kind of laptop do you have that's available?" And they're like, right now, we only have this gaming laptop. And I said, will it work for, like, at-home work purposes? And they're like, yeah, it will work. It's just it has, like, some gaming settings and stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll take it. And so I now I just made the last payment on this thing, like, a month and a half ago. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy with that. Okay. Well, I feel like you right now, like, your, your standard height, the way you set up everything... The way I'm probably going to talk. I feel like I'm a Leah right now, but I'm a guy. Yeah, be happy because I took some time today to actually put together those notes for you in a you way You really that didn't I... have to because I was just going to do this all straight from my head and the knowledge that I know of this movie. Yeah, but you would have like gone totally off the cuff, unorganized. There would... would have been no natural flow to this. So you, you think would've... there would be all chaos? It would have been uncontrolled chaos, and I would not stand for it. But so. I, <laughs> and I will not stand for it. I, I will just, not stand for it. I, I love <laughs> that. Like, I'm the guy who's, like, uncontrolling and unbearable. Then you come out and know we're, like, freaking RoboCop and be like, do not resist. What I am going to do, though, is I'm going to let you... Is there anything you wanted to say before we go into Monster Squad? Wait, hold on. That's what my line is because since I'm the the host host right here, I'm mm-hmm. supposed to say that because I'm contr- I'm channeling my inner Aaliyah. So I'm gonna be like Ooh. Aaliyah, your thoughts before we go into this Monster Squad episode. I actually do have one thing I want to bring up that I just oh, saw today on Instagram. No. So as you guys probably remember from last year, same time last year. 
Fangoria is doing the 2023 Chainsaw Award special. They just posted their nominees for oh, each segment. Oh, they're doing a second one this year. They're doing a second one. So this is, their, I think, their second annual Chainsaw Award. Yeah. And they just released their nominees on their Instagram today. I was about to say, are we in this? We're not. Man. We're not there yet. You know what? One day we're going to be there and I can't wait. I wish I could go over these, but I don't want to take up too much time that we already have in this intro. But just go check out the Fangoria Instagram page or any Fangoria social media page. And there's a link in their bio where you can go vote for the best in whatever category you want to do. Some of them are pretty good. And I will tell you right now that Nope is nominated for a lot of these awards. So we say for this, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the documentaries and I'm torn. What? Between, oh, wait. Is In Search of Darkness in it? So there's the found footage phenomenon, uh, In Search of Darkness Part 3. Yeah. Wait, that's a nominated movie? It's... Nominated for a best documentary feature. It hasn't even been like out yet. No, it's just released this past year. I know, but it's not on like it's not on Shutter or any of that. No, yet. it 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 just got released on Shutter, but it's been out on DVD and other platforms for the past year. When did they release it? I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> there's also Living with Chucky, the Child's uh, Play documentary. Really? Yes. Oh shit. Pennywise, the story of it. And this is Guar. Wait, really? The oh, this is Guar. I that better win. I want. I want then, that. Then go on their Instagram, submit your votes, and maybe it might just win. All right, do yeah, Not but but the, but I'm feature. torn by that too because there's a, a In Search of Darkness. I want that, and also this is Guar, and uh, that. That's a hard one. I know. God, I'm so torn. I have not seen Living with Chucky, but I heard a lot of good things about it. And the woman behind the documentary, I'm blanking on her name, but her father was one of the engineers for yeah. the animatronics yeah. for all the Child's Play movies. And He's the she, hand. She was on an episode of Horror Talk Podcast with Josh... And I want to get him on the podcast eventually because well, he is a fun guy. So without further ado, we're going to go into the Monster Squad episode. Okay. So sit tight, grab your popcorn, and listen to us do awful at this. Well, me at least. Yeah. All right. So the movie The Monster Squad was released on August 14th, 1987, directed by Fred Decker, which I'm trying to remember what he did. I mean, because I know... Creature of the Night. Yes, Creature of the Night. Did he do? Is Creature? it Creature of the Night or, was or it Night of the Creeps? Night of the Creeps. Okay, never. He mind. did Night of the Creeps, and it's kind of funny when you look at Night of the Creeps. There's the bathroom scene where it said Monster Squad, the Monster Squad rules, because that was when the year year prior they uh, greenlight the Monster Squad movie to be made. Mm-hmm. So you see in the bathroom Monster Squad rules. That was one year before the movie was released. So it's yeah. kind of like. A showing of what's going to happen in the future, what's going to be released. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So yes, it was re- directed by Fred Decker. The movie is not based on or is a remake of the Monster Squad, uh, nineteen seventy six. The short lived TV show was about wax figures of three monsters that come out to uh, come to life to battle evil. Mm-hmm. I was going to say your thoughts, but no, I'm not going to do that. The film stars. Andre Goer as Sean, uh, Robbie Keeger as Patrick, Ashley Banks as Phoebe. 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 Phoebe? Phoebe. Phoebe. Yeah, Phoebe. 
Because it sounds like you're saying Phoebe with a T-H. Oh, it's Phoebe, right? Phoebe. Quick English lesson. Oh, don't do this to me. The P-H makes an F sound, (laughs) and the T-H... Makes a weird sound that doesn't sound. It makes a weird sound. Doesn't make a ph. Doesn't make a sound that sounds like any other letter. (laughs) But it's the. Yeah, it's pig Latin, honey. Um, Anyway, Brent Shalom as Horace, which I love his character. He is so freaking funny. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, fat fat boy. We're fat kid, right? And then there's fat kid. He's Horace. Yes, Horace. Yeah. Remember, this is 1987. So a lot of the stuff they say in this movie is definitely. What's the term or the thing? Very backwards. Wait, I'm sorry. Say that again. Can you get off your phone, please? You all right? So Brent Shalom is Horace. Remember when I said fat kid? So yes. in the movie, what's the term I'm looking for? They say it's, a lot of offensive yes, things in this it's, movie. It's a fe- there's certain language used that's offensive that's not politically correct. We're not going to say them on here, but if you go watch the movie, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, we're just letting you know that in advance. Yeah, so there's a lot of that. And yeah, remember, this is the 80s and children think that they could say whatever they want. So Todd Newman, New- Noonan as Frankenstein's monster. And then we have... I don't want to butcher his name, but Duncan Regrier as Dracula, which I liked him as Dracula. I feel like he definitely took a more serious approach to this, even though this is a very lighthearted kids movie. Mm-hmm. But he took his um, his character and make him very serious and macabre. Ashley Bank turned down a role in Fatal Attraction to play Phoebe, which that's nuts. Right. He was she was going to play the little girl in that movie. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, can you just imagine the, like, if she did Fatal Attraction, she would have brought bigger than she did in Monster Squad. Yeah. Because remember, Monster Squad came out a couple weeks after Lost Boys did, because Lost Boys came out July 31st, 1987, so about two or three weeks after Lost Boys came out, Monster Squad was released, and they did not do good because of the success of Lost Boys, mm-hmm. which that is horrible, because I'm a Lost Boys fan. And I'm a huge Monster Squad fan, so I'm kind of torn about this. I'm torn about selecting the best supporting performance. For oh my god, honey. I I need to pick one, and there's so <laughs> many good options here. Honey, we're not talking about that right now. I know we're not, but go ahead. What are you doing? I'm picking stuff. Uh, stop it. You're I'm, not shopping. I'm doing my part in the horror community, okay? Oh my god. Yeah, but no, anyway, so here's another fact. Dustin Diamond, who everyone, if you don't know who he is, he plays Screech in Say by the Bell, had a small role as a kid who tries to play baseball, try to trade baseball cards with the boys, but that was later cut. That must have been a bad scene if it was like cut. Maybe. Keep keep going though. I'm sure there's a good reason. I wonder if that deleted scene is actually like somewhere. So Mary Ellen Trainer, who plays mother of the lead siblings, also plays the mother of the lead sibling children in The Goonies. Also, she is played in Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. as the ther- as the uh, the cop therapist. I will say Mary Ellen Trainer, she's a she's a great actress, and she has played in a lot a lot of '80s movies. I wish I can look up where she was in what she was in, but if you type in her name. Look at her uh, her movies. Yeah, you'll all the movies you've grown up with. She was in, and the synopsis goes: five youngsters find themselves up find themselves up against the combined might of Dracula, the Mummy, the Gill Man, and Frankenstein's monster, who arrive in town in search of a magical amulet. 
So let's check out some behind-the-scenes facts. According to director Fred Decker, Shane Black's first draft of the screenplay was so huge that the opening of the film featured Van Helsing accompanied by Zeppelins and hundreds of men on horseback storing Dracula's castle. Decker stated that this sequence would have cost him more than the final budget of the movie. My God, so that so that part probably would have got him bankrupt. Probably. Yeah. I was about to say, your thoughts on this so far, honey? It's okay. I'm sorry, what? It's okay. No, the, explain why is it okay. I mean... You have a lot not, more knowledge than this, and you have a lot more words, so I want to yeah, hear you. Yeah, this is your episode. I know, but... And you technically have more knowledge in this than I do, so I I'm just going to say it's all right. Well, I'm going to ask you this. What was your experience of watching the Monster Squad movie when you sat down with me and watched it? What was your your thought process going through this whole thing? <clears throat> just silence the whole time. You looked like that when you were watching the movie. <laughs> well, because I'm trying to I'm trying to unpack how I feel about this. So Okay, go ahead. Like I said before, I believe I said before on the podcast, horror comedy is not usually my genre. It's not my go-to genre most of the time. Mm-hmm. I get why people like it. I mean, I don't get why it's iconic or why it really has that big of a cult following. I didn't particularly care for it. I mean, I thought that it had some heartfelt moments. Like when... Frankenstein sees the mask. Yeah. And he gets the, upset about it. That part was pretty hard-hitting. Yeah. Especially for any Frankenstein that's ever seen themselves in the mirror. Right. And that kind of gave, I think, gave the kids the insight of, like, that's how society views him, is, like, a scary figure. It had some heartfelt moments that I do get, but I think for the most part, it still had moments where I was just like, eh. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, this movie has so many one-liners, it's ridiculous. It's like, it's a one-liner movie. Cause it re- I, I think another problem I had with, like, I liked the Rudy character. I liked him. Oh, here's the thing. He was your favorite, right? He was at first, until I found out why he really wanted to join their group. Oh, because and of I, one I, of the, the sister. Yeah, because... What was it? What's his name? Patrick's sister. Yeah. His house is next door and she undresses. In front of him? With the windows open. Yeah. And he's and like, like looking through the binoculars. And I'm like. Rudy. Well, it's like, first of all, dude, get a fucking life. All right. <laughs> and you're hanging out, hanging out with a bunch of little kids. I'm like, if this is the reason why you want to join these groups. Of this kids, group, yeah, this group of kids. Then you need to find another hobby. Well, not only like, that, he's, he's close friends with Horace. Yeah. Like, he's he's only in the group because of Horace. Yeah, because Horace invited him. And here's the thing. It's nice that Rudy stood up for Horace in the beginning. Yeah. That's not an open invitation to invite him to your club. I know, right? Which is kind of funny that Ruby was actually Rudy. wanting... Ruby. No, Rudy. Is it Rudy or Ruby? Look on the fucking thing I put down for you. I gave you an entire script here. Page. Okay, so his name's Rudy. Yes. And he uh, stopped him... Stopped, stopped the bully, EJ, who is actually the older brother in the in the show, uh, The Wonder Years. Okay. Yeah. And he stopped EJ from beating up on Horace and made EJ uh, eat Horace's candy bar that he smushed on the ground. Which I think that's the perfect revenge for, uh, for Horace. 
it's you know it comes to show that karma's a bitch and you're gonna eat a nasty candy bar for it Mm-hmm. So let's get on with this right here. According to the director, Fred Decker, the film was cut by 13 minutes because some executives didn't want it to run more than 90 minutes, which kind of explains a lot. It explains why that one scene with that one kid got cut. Yeah, and how long the movie was. The movie wasn't even that Yeah, which, yeah, I think the movie's about, what, an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 16? Well... 90 minutes is about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's an hour 30. So I think they, well, yeah. they cut it by 13 minutes. So it's, I would say it's about an hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. So yeah. Due to license issues, the crew had to create characters that were suggestive, but not exactly copies of Universal's iconic monsters. The challenge was to suggest those classic creatures without really copying them. Which, that was pretty good what they did for some of them. But we'll talk about that in a second. Because we didn't have permission of the li- or the license to use those specific images. So we could do a Gilman, for example. But it couldn't, but it couldn't a look... A Gilman. S- a Gilman. Well, Gilman, Gilman. But it couldn't look too much like the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was frustrating for us at first. Because, of course, we wanted to do the original designs. But we couldn't. We can only suggest those designs. So the Frankenstein monster looks a bit like the Karloff creature. But instead of bolts in the neck, he had bolts in his in his forehead. Which, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I get why they did that and everything. I think my favorite one that they did that they kind of they kind of copied but not really was the werewolf. Yeah. He kind of looked like a giant hamster. We'll get into why he looks the way he does in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, because remember, I put together the script for Colin's birthday episode. Oh my god, babe. I've copied and pasted the plot. <laughs> yeah. I've copied and pasted nice. the plot. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, I've pasted little snippets that you can pause that are highlighted in purple. Okay. So, there was a certain percentage of changes we had to make to get away from any legal copyright infringement. In addition to sculpting Frankenstein's monster makeup, Tom Woodruff Jr. played the role of the Gill Man. It was his debut as a suit performer, a skill he had perfected in the 20 years since performing the creature suit for dozens of films. He, was he the same one who did sh- uh, Shape and Water? No, that's Doug Jones. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is Doug Jones. At least I think that's Doug Jones. Okay. The noise the rat supposedly made during the opening scene is actually from guinea pigs, which that's really freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. The rats seen in, this, in the same opening shot are actually armadillos. Ew. <laughs> So the Monster Squad is a club of preteens who idolize classic monster movies and their non-human stars. The club leader, Sean Crenshaw, whose younger sister, Phoebe, mm. desperately wants to join the club, is given the diary of a legendary monster hunter, Dr. Abraham Van Helsing. But his excitement abates, abates, but the but his excitement abates when he finds it is written in German. Sean and the rest of the Monster Squad, his best friend and second in command, Patrick Rhodes, clumsy, overweight Horace, tough older kid Rudy Holleran, and little Eugene, which he's cute. I love Eugene. There's a monster in my closet. He's like the baby of the group. Exactly. He's the one that called the um, the, the the army. And yes. it's kind of funny that they actually accepted his letter. I thought they would find it cute and then came. Mm-hmm. Go to visit an elderly man known as the Scary German Guy, which has a horrible name for this character. And probably a little offensive, right? Hmm? The Scary German Guy, do you find that offensive? I don't think so. No? I mean, 
scary German guy. I mean, he's German. That part you can't really deny. He's not that... Well, you kind of rhymed. But, I mean, the fact that he's scary. I mean, he lives in like a... A very old, like... there's An like, old-looking house. With, with uh, what is it? Like, like gra- grass around like the, yeah, the with house? Yeah, over, with overgrown grass surrounding it and a chain-link mm. fence. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you, even if you replace that chain-link with like cast-iron bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It'd still be scary. Would you find him scary? If you were and, that age. And he keeps to himself, too. Which, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's really anything to be scary about, but when you don't know much about somebody, you know, fears and hysteria start to bubble up. Yeah, so known as the scary German guy, actually a kind gentleman and former mm-hmm. concentration camp prisoner to translate the diary. The diary describes in great detail an amulet that is composed of concentrated good. One day... Out of every century, as the forces of good and evil reach in and reach a balance, the otherwise indestructible amulet becomes vulnerable to destruction. With the next day of balance happening within a few days, as the stroke of midnight, the kids realize they must gain possession of the amulet and use it with an incantation uh, from Van Helsing's diary to open a wormhole in the universe that casts the monsters into limbo, as shown in the film's prelude. Or prelude? Yep, prelude. Yeah, prelude. I always said prelude growing up. Prelude, Van Helsing has unsuccessfully attempted this 100 years ago in order to defeat this old adversary, Count Dracula. His apprentices then immigrated to the United States to hide the amulet, where it was out of Dracula's immediate reach. Nevertheless, Dracula seeks to obtain the amulet so that he can take over the world and plunge it into darkness. To this end, he assembles several of his most dangerous and monstrous allies. The Mummy, the Gill Man, uh, the Wolfman, and in addition, three schoolgirls from the Counts transforms into his vampiric consorts. The Wolfman's face was modeled after that of Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. Stan Winston. Wait, wait. He was the special effects makeup artist uh, for the movie. I thought he was like a, um, a famous actor. Nope. But I guess not. Okay. Dracula then steals a crate from a B-52 Mitchell in flight containing Frankenstein's monster, thus completing his army. Near the start of the movie, the plane where Dracula fi- final first appears as has Browning written on the side. A nod to director Todd Browning, who directed Dracula in 1931. That's pretty cool. I like that fact. Mm-hmm. However, Frankenstein's monster is a reluctant to aid Dracula and wanders into the forest where he encounters Phoebe. Phoebe, goddammit. <laughs> Rather than being afraid... He, she shows him the kindness he always wanted. He always sought. 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 I could have said he always wanted, but you okay. You could have said that too. Yes. It would have been fine. And they became BFFs. The brief scene where Frankenstein meets Phoebe mm-hmm. playing by the water is a clear homage to similar yet more tragic scene in the original Frankenstein film, which I'm glad he did not throw her in there. The way in which the scenes and the scene plays out in the film is, according to previous interviews, more in line with the way Boris Karloff wanted to do in the 1931 original. That's pretty cool. I like that. Your thoughts about that? It's cool. All right. Cool. I like that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, after Phoebe mm-hmm. proves to <laughs> proves to the Monster Squad 
that Frankenstein's monster is not evil, he chooses to help the boys instead of Dracula. The Wolfman, when reverting to human form, is a re recalcitrant. Sound it out. I'm gonna inner. I'm gonna do my inner Aaliyah and try not to butcher it. Recalcitrant follower of Dracula has been <laughs> making calls to the police about the forthcoming carnage, which are dismissed as prank calls. The emblem is buried in the stone room beneath the house. Being buried? Bur- anyway, buried beneath the house that Dracula and the other monsters now occupy, and where, you know, they pay rent and stuff, and where Van Helsing's diary was found. The secret room is littered with wards prevent the monsters from taking it. The monster scrawl... Um, Sound it out. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, my God. I can't even with you right now. Oh, God. Oh, I've done a lot of talking today, so I got to do more of this? Come on. So this is what it feels like to be the host. There's a lot of work to this. There's a lot of reading, and you got to try to sound a little bit articulate when you do it. Instead, I sound the opposite of articulate, but yes. The breakfast squad, <laughs> the monster squad... Breaks into the house and acquired the uniforms, them that the incantation must be read by a female virgin. As midnight approaches, the squad makes their way to a local cathedral to make their last stand. Meanwhile, Dracula destroys their clubhouse with dynamite, drawing the attention of Sean's father, police detective Dell, who was super extra in this movie, mm-hmm. who has been charged with investigating the strange occurrences in town, but remains quite skeptical about their supernatural causes until he sees Dracula in person. Which I can't believe he killed him with a with a dynamite. Mm-hmm. That was sad. I mean, seriously, if my best friend on the force died like that, yeah, I'd probably be getting revenge on that dude. On that dude, also. What? Remember we were talking about Night of the Creeps earlier? Yeah. There's a patch. Oh my god. Wait, how much is it? 12 bucks? Do you think that's worth it? Well, I'm just showing it to you. I'm not planning on getting it for myself. Ooh, honey, it's a Spaceballs one. Anyway. Anyway. Unfortunately, the doors to the cathedral are locked, so the incantation must be read on the stoop, leaving the squad vulnerable. They enlist Patrick's beautiful elder sister, Lisa, to help them as she is the only virgin they know. However, the incantation fails since Lisa... Is actually not a virgin. That's ridiculous. They should have known that. I no, did. she should have known that when they asked her. I was about to say, I, I don't really think... I've seen the movie. I don't, Patrick didn't really ask her, asked her if she was a virgin. He just kind of assumes. Unless you heard otherwise. Well, she was like, well, so-and-so doesn't count. It's like... Oh, no. So-and-so may not have counted in terms of romantic relationships, but if he... Like, boinked her? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we could have said the F word, but it's fine. No, but it's like, if you did them, then it counts. More as the monsters close in, the squad deduces that Phoebe Mm -hmm. must complete the task of opening the portal. And the German guy attempts to help her read the incantation as the rest of the squad fence off the monsters, which I'm surprised that actually they killed them. In the ensuing battle, Dracula consorts the mummy, the gill man, and the wolfman are defeated. Dracula arrives to destroy the amulet when Frankenstein's monster intervenes. Impaling him on a walt iron cross... Phoebe finishes the incantation following the portal, which begins to consume the bodies of the monsters. 
The scene where Dracula lifts Phoebe up and she screams was done in one take. And by the way, I've watched that, especially in the documentary. She was like, that was like her first reaction to seeing him and she was terrified. Well, yeah, because, well, watch. Just keep reading. Well, yeah, let's watch. Duncan Regeer wouldn't wear his red contacts or fangs around the five-year-old Ashley Bank because it was it, it scared her way too much. For the scene, director Fred Decker just told Ashley to scream once the flat, uh, platform was raised. When she asked when, Decker told her, oh, you'll know, and proceeded to shoot. The terrified scream you hear when Dracula opens his eyes is Ashley's genuine scream of fright. Dracula, still alive, attempts to drag Sean in with him. Sean impales Dracula with a wooden stake as Patrick grabs Sean before he can be sucked into the portal. Having briefly escaped from Limbo, the Van Helsing, which I was surprised to see him through there because didn't see him at all through the whole time, appears, gives a thumbs up to Sean <laughs> on a job well done, which I actually laughed so hard when he gave that thumbs up because I don't even... I didn't even think he knew how to do that or knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. And pulls Dracula to his doom. As Frankenstein's monster is drawn, is drawn into the portal, Phoebe holds into him, holds onto him, and pleads for him to stay. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Knowing he doesn't belong on Earth, Frankenstein's monster lets go of Phoebe's hand but accepts, accepts her gift of a stuffed animal to remember her by. Which that is so freaking cute. The portal then closes, ensuring the world's safety. In the math, in the aftermath, the United States Army arrives on the scene, having received a letter from Eugene earlier asking for their help against the monsters. When the confused general fails to make sure to make sense of the situation, Sean steps forward and presents the man with his business card, identifying himself and his friends as the Monster Squad. So, there are at least two versions of Michael Sembello's end credit scene. Is end, 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 end credit song. In some versions, dating back to the VHS release days, there is a lyric referring, referring to the Gill Man swimming in the pool. As of 2007, there's a recent HD cable release. This is replaced simply by the creature from the Black Lagoon. Actor Brent Shellam, who played Horace, tragically died of pneumonia in 1997, which that was a big fatal thing to happen because mm-hmm. he was actually such a nice kid, too. Like from what the actors were talking about in the documentary of the Monster Squad. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of him and he didn't really do much acting after the Monster Squad, too. He, he did a few stuff, but not much. Mm-hmm. But he was always such a sweet soul, what they said. Like a kind, of, a very kind person. Yeah. And also that scene where the Frankenstein's monster is going into the portal. And you like to give me crap for that scene because I... You, your eyes started to well up. Like, I could tell you were, like, pretending to cry, but your, like, eyes got all, like, glassy and shit. I wasn't pretending. It got real. Like, seriously, if you lost someone who you've made such close friends with... Would you be heartbroken too if they had to go go away without you know without any choice? I mean, maybe. You know, like what if, what would be a character like you love so much, and then they had to leave because they had to go into a portal, and you try to grab onto them by not letting them go? You would cry too. 
Okay, well, that's like a hypothetical situation. I know, but I'm putting a hypothetical situation into this, so that's why I'm saying. But anyway, your thoughts on this? It's all right. Thank you, Colin. I mean, Aaliyah, thank you. Sorry, sorry. How would you rate this movie if you could? Maybe like a 5 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Man, she really does not like horror comedies. But anyway. It just wasn't my kind of movie. Like, I get how it is for most people, especially people who grew up in the 80s and were like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the 80s and whatever. Well, remember, this is most of the audience that loved this movie were all mostly kids and teenagers. I did have a pretty dumb moment, though, in the beginning. Remember that? What dumb moment? The moment where Sean was talking to his dad about going to see... Oh, what? Groundhog Day. Yeah, it was like part six or something. Yeah, so he, the thing was with Groundhog Day, they were doing it as a slasher movie, Groundhog Day. And they were kind of, with each scenario of the movie Groundhog, they were trying to say that he died but then came back from the grave to get his revenge. So basically, Groundhog Day was kind of like how uh, Friday the 13th was. But I'm over here thinking, didn't Groundhog Day come out after, like way after Monster Squad? And you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Yeah, 1992. Yeah, I'm like, didn't that come out after Monster Squad? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, how are they talking about Groundhog Day? I'm like, Groundhog Day didn't even have part two. And you're like, honey, they're not talking about that movie. And I'm like, okay. They're kind of talking, it's like they're paradising um, Friday the 13th. I had a feeling they were poking fun at the expense of, like, Friday the 13th and Halloween and all that stuff. But then I realized, oh, they're not actually, like, joking about, like, Groundhog Day. But no, but I gotta say, I love this movie so much. I've I've watched this movie on a whim, by accident. So what happened was, this was after I graduated high school. And I was staying with one of my close buddies, Carl. Uh, Carl and he was my best friend in high school. And I stayed with him and his family for the summer. And he was kind of like me. Like, we both loved the same movies, same music, all that stuff. And we've always hung out together. So one night, I wake up in the middle out of no, out of, out of nowhere, in the, like close to midnight. I wake up and the TV's on and everyone's in the living room. And I'm wondering what the fuck is going on. And they, pu- they pop in this movie. And the movie they popped in, Monster Squad... And I'm like looking at this. So I'm kind of like half asleep watching this movie. And it got my attention. Especially for being half asleep. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is fucking amazing. It was like it was like scary but not scary. So I was like really after, after watching that. I was hooked onto this movie. So especially with everything about it. So definitely this movie. If I had to pick uh, horror movie comedies. Especially my top five. This is definitely in it. Cool. I gotta say, this movie is is a big, big inspiration, and a lot of people, like, after this movie, got back into it, and just was, like, kind of, like, really wanted to get back into watching this movie, because it gained more popularity when it was on HBO, after being in the theaters. Yeah. Would you like to say something? It's all right. Would you like to say anything that doesn't include, like, one or two words? I mean, kind of like how I felt about Hereditary. It's all right. Wait, did you didn't like Her- Hereditary? No. Why? Wait, did you watch the rest of it today? 
Yeah, I started watching it the night before. I finished it today. I probably should try to watch it again all the way through without any interruptions, but... You know what what scared me? Because I saw clips of this with you on the 100 Scariest Moments when they showed Hereditary on it. The mother just, like, running into the room out of nowhere. Like chasing, oh, yeah, after, yeah, yeah, chasing after his her kid. Yeah, that part scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because I don't like I, people just being quiet and running into the room, and all you hear is footsteps. I watched it today, and I didn't quite like it. I thought I would like it better than Midsummer, but I hate it as much. I hate it equally as much as I hate it in Midsummer. Why? Because was there a lot of tox- toxic, toxic, uh, toxic stuff with this too? Not really. Well, yes and no, but. In a way, they kind of like, okay, it's more so about grief and like generational traumas, which again, that kind of thing you can unpack in any different genre in in the arts, really. Mm. But I feel like, ugh, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Remember how we were talking about earlier about unorganized chaos? This was that, unorganized chaos? See, I feel like with midsummer there was a organized chaos to it in a way that it was almost essentially planned out for danny to end up the way that it ended up Hmm. like this was all laid out for her so she could be the may queen and be a part of this commune and live there forever Hmm. like i like like we said and like how carolyn said it was written using cult tactics to convince the audience that this is what you wanted at the end. This is what she wanted at the end. And it's terrible. Like, I'm not, don't get me wrong. It's sort of creative in a sense that you're using real cult tactics to convince an audience of people that this is what the main character wants at the end. But that's how actual cult leaders convince people to join their cults. And that is terrible. That is fucked. Exactly. Yeah. Hereditary is different in a sense where it, it's almost unorganized chaos, but in a way that almost seems hysterical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because... Does this movie have any funny to it or no? Yes and no. I mean, I get why some people who... Like, if you watch the 101 Scariest Moments of Horror countdown on Shudder... Hereditary is on the list, and some people say that they they find themselves laughing at certain scenes because they're just so uncomfortably awkward in, like, these most severe traumatic situations, and it's like, eh, okay, but that's not how I really felt. And That's how you picture it, yeah, I know. Again, it's my opinion. My opinion probably doesn't matter, and again, it's not right or wrong. That's just how I felt about it. It's just, I didn't find it all that intriguing. Again, I probably would have to rewatch it and at least try to get a good understanding of what's happening. I thought this was a Monster Squad episode. Sorry. You, what happened? Sorry, you asked me how I felt about Hereditary, which got me into a ADHD wormhole. <laughs> Another one of our ADHD wormhole moments. Where we talked about Hereditary. Brought you by Ilya. <laughs> Brought to you by Anyway. No, but yes, but anyway... So I think we're good for the most part. Yeah. Everyone knows this movie. Everyone loves The Monster Squad. Whether you do or not, it is a classic. And if you actually want to know more about this movie, definitely go see Wolfman Got Nards, The Monster Squad documentary that has most of the cast and directors and stuff of this film and the crew and stuff. And they all are interviewed about how they made this movie. 
And Didn't they how- also touch base on this movie in one of the In Search of Darkness yes, they did. series? Yeah, that's why I got the thing about where they talked about the Night of the Creeps thing. Yeah. Because of that. Because the, the name was written on the bathroom wall. Okay. Yeah, so that's how it got introduced, too. And that's how what they were talking about in the In Search of Darkness movie. So, yeah, other than that, um, definitely go watch that movie, though, uh, mm-hmm. that documentary. It's a great documentary. I definitely recommend it. And, uh, yeah, it just shows them being on the road and going from one, co- like, um, Comic-Con to another where they do their own little, like, um, Monster Squad showings in different states. And it shows mm-hmm. how much the fans love this movie. And it really does have a die-hard, like, fan base now more than it ever did when it first came out. So it's really cool that you yet you could see something like that and the realness within this movie, even though this movie is rec- incredibly ridiculous. Yeah. You know, how, yeah, how childish it is, but it, to everyone, it's a classic. Yep. And to me, it'll always be a classic to me as well. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for my friend Carl who passed away a couple years ago, if it wasn't for him, I would never got into the Monster Squad. So mm-hmm. I definitely thank Carl for getting me into that movie, which I love him very much and I miss him. So with that in mind, we would like to thank you all for listening today to the Abbey Normal Podcast. We appreciate you listening every time that we, we uh, make a show. Mm-hmm. And it really it really makes us happy and warms us up when we see those, when see people like listening. Yep. You know? And uh, other than that, do you have anything to say before we close out here? No, if you hear stomping and barking right now, it's our neighbors, and I apologize. I shouldn't, though, because they're assholes. So mm-hmm, Exactly. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to really input. <laughs> All right, well, other than that, um, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I know I'm going to have a wonderful weekend with my wife, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a great time, and I'm going to have a good birthday. I want to thank you all, too. I know I can't hear you guys say happy birthday, but... Thank you all uh, for listening to us, and we appreciate it. And tune in to the next episode, which we're going to be talking about Saw, the Saw series. We're going to continue with that. Yep, part three. And that will be what? It will be parts five and six of the Saw franchise. Yeah, okay. It's part three of this like segment in total, but we're going to be covering parts five and six. Okay, perfect. Nice. So we'll be doing that. Which will give you time to catch up and watch them. Maybe. While they're still on Hulu. Maybe. I'm just kidding. Yes, yes, I will. So I can get my homework in. Mm-hmm. And I can not only just be Colin, but I could be also Aaliyah. So so thank you all for listening to us. It has been a fun episode, even though I don't sound that fun because I am tired. Mm-hmm. But thank you all for listening. This has been the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying... Hey, Rudy, do you know any versions? As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.